0: Hi, Steve Kaufman here, and uh, today I have a special guest, Anna Tyree of English Like a Native, and we're going to talk about learning English, not other exotic languages that I often talk about. First though, remember if you enjoy my videos, uh, please subscribe, click on the bell for notifications, and if you follow me on a podcast service, please leave a comment. Hi, Anna.
1: Hello, Steve. Nice to meet you.
0: Nice to meet you. So. Uh, I often talk about learning other languages, you know, right now it's Persian and Arabic or people are learning Japanese or French, but you teach English, which is the, Mm -hmm. probably the language by far, in fact, the language that most people are learning. So I'm a native speaker of English, but I'm curious. First of all, I have a number of questions. Question number one. Oh, and by the way, we will leave a link to... English like a native in our description box so people can go there and find you. And I know a lot of people listen to my videos in order to improve their English. And so maybe they should, uh, they would benefit in fact, by going to your YouTube channel. Now, first question, where, where do most of, what are the main sort of countries of, uh, you know, the nationalities of people who are learning English with you?
1: Uh, so with me, I mean, as you can imagine. I've got people from all over the world, but Noted. I'd say the majority of my learners, funnily enough, is UK, US, uh, Italy, India, and and then it really kind of dissipates. So right. like I've got Brazil, but that's because um, a lot of the people who watch my content are actually living and working in English-speaking countries, and so they really have that need and motivation to improve their English. And so, that's why I have this kind of demographic in English-speaking countries. But um, outside of the UK and US, it is uh, Brazil, India, uh, and Europe, across Europe.
0: Right. Um, Yeah. Now, so then, uh, that's why I asked sort of the nationality or the the ethnicity of of these learners. Mm -hmm. So, what would be the main sort of ethnic groups within the UK or the US?
1: um, What are the native languages? Yeah. Italian, British, um, Italian, Brazilian, um, Indian, um, Polish, Mm -hmm. Russian. Mm -hmm. It's it's a real mix. It is a real mix. Yeah, we're talking about small percentages.
0: Right across the globe. and, And what what are the major difficulties that people experience in learning English?
1: So, um, across the board, many of them have confidence issues and Mm -hmm. that really starts to present itself when it comes to speaking the language. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, many of them get themselves to an upper intermediate, even at lower advanced level, Mm -hmm. but still feel unable to communicate vocally. and they, They just kind of hit a wall. They can't recall the vocabulary, uh, mm-hmm. they, they're thinking too much about the grammar and the structure of the sentences and, mm-hmm. and they just feel really inhibited, um, and, and not wanting to make mistakes uh, mm-hmm. and worried about pronunciation and things. So, I think one of the things we try and do on English Like a Native is just to kind of break down that fear um, and also just to encourage them to speak as much right. as possible. You know, um, you know, it's really important to just get going, right? To make mistakes and...
0: I mean, that's not unique to people learning English. That's common to people learning any language. Mm -hmm. Would you say that to some extent their fear of making mistakes almost makes them make more mistakes?
1: I Well, I think it's true in anything you're learning, if you mm-hmm. if you get scared, if your brain mm. is scared and you get those stress hormones, your brain doesn't function in the same way as it would when you're relaxed and so yeah, right. I, I would say you do make more mistakes um, oh, yeah. and you become... It's like, I, I always say to my students to imagine there's a bus going down the hill and the bus has no brakes and it's getting mm. faster and faster and faster and you can either choose to sit at the back of the bus and cower and let the nerves just take over and ruin everything. Or right. you can jump into the driver's seat and at least steer those nerves and right. just try and, you know, take control of that energy and, right. and change the energy into a positive energy is what I always try and push.
0: <laughs> well, I mean, it is true if we're, if we're at a party somewhere and somebody walks in and, and, you know, who is that person? And you try to force yourself to remember the name You won't remember Mm -hmm. the name. The more pressure you put on yourself to try to remember something, the less likely you are to remember it. So, uh, yeah. So is, is the concern though, is it more that they feel they, they have problems with grammar, is it that they don't have enough vocabulary or is it concerns about pronunciation?
1: So with English, uh, pronunciation is tricky because our spellings do not inform the pronunciation. Our spellings are crazy, and Mm. I think American English is easier. Your system for writing um, is, is, is much, it makes more sense for the pronunciation, but Uh. the British English spellings do not make as much sense at all. Well, I hadn't even focused
0: on that. How are they different?
1: So, for example, example, an example is uh, flavour or colour. So, colour... American English is C-O-L-O-R, but in British English, we have a U in there, so it's C-O-L-O-R. But we have that in Canada
0: too, we have that in Canada too, but never really thought of it as a problem. But the bigger issues are like uh, although and bow and through and cough and rough are all written with O-U-G-H and they're pronounced differently. And that's true on both sides of the Atlantic. Mm
1: -hmm. So yeah, yeah,
0: English spelling is a problem. And do you think then the pronunciation... The difficulties people have in English with English pronunciation comes from the spelling, or that's just one of the factors.
1: It's it's one of the factors, um, mm-hmm. and the, there aren't the rules aren't very consistent either no. with pronunciation. Um, mm-hmm. So that's tricky. But also one of the biggest issues for learning English is the idiomatic language and the phrasal mm-hmm. verbs, mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. there's no blanket rule. Again, you have to learn on a case by case basis, and we right. use so many phrasal verbs and so mm-hmm. many idioms in just day to day speaking that you can know the vocabulary right. but not know the phrases mm.
0: mm-hmm. and
1: so that's tricky and that just that just requires exposure you right. just have to keep exposing yourself to that mm. kind of language um, mm-hmm. to native speakers and and this is so the name of my my channel English like a native is <laughs> it's a little bit um of um people see it as a negative thing sometimes in mm. the industry to to do something like a native you'll never be a native of that language so why should you try to be like a native right that was that was never the point of my brand name the brand right. name is more about acquiring and learning like a native does. So, right. not stressing about grammar rules and mm-hmm. spending more time just listening and enjoying language in a, in the same way you would your target language. So, mm-hmm. watching films in, in your target language and um, hanging out with friends and speaking in your target language in a relaxed environment and just right. trying to enjoy it rather than sit and study and study the rules. Because, to be honest, most natives do not know their own language in the way that a non-native would we don't know the grammar rules we right. we never study them we just acquire them we just understand yeah. that something sounds right or something sounds wrong and sometimes right. we make mistakes as a set as a standard thing across mm-hmm. the UK mm-hmm. you know in the north in the north there'll be um, grammar mistakes that are just an accepted way of speaking mm-hmm. it's just what we, say. we have
0: that everywhere now. I mean, in North America, you hear people say, I would have went, I would have went. <laughs> right, okay. you know, that's It's becoming more and more common. It's just, it sounds mm-hmm. so bad to me, but a lot of people say that. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I agree with you. The, you know, the, I think the native is the model. You can't get away from that. The native is the model. Uh, even though we're not going to sound like a native, but that's in fact, we want to get as close as possible to the native. It's a bit of a problem in English because even within a country like the UK, there's so many regional accents. So which native are you going to, you know, which, which form of the language, which type of pronunciation is, is the most popular with your learners? Who do they want to sound like?
1: Well, I, I. On my channel, I cover a number of regional accents, regional mm. British accents, and um, I do also cover a lot of differences between American English and British English because mm. people are interested. Right. American English is more globally studied. Um, oh, really? Okay. Yeah, and in and it's the same in America, of course. There's lots of variations of American mm-hmm. accents that are wildly different, um, mm-hmm. but what I always... I teach RP, which, in fact, There are... there are not many people in the UK who actually use RP, um, Mm -hmm. but Now, just to explain
0: to my audience, what is (laughs) RP?
1: RP. RP is Received Pronunciation and it's the standard... people don't like this word, natives don't like this word, but it's the standard accent of of British because Mm. it's what's written in the dictionaries it's the okay. the ba- it it's non regional it doesn't belong to a region it was introduced mm. many many years ago as a way of speaking if you were educated and this is why it has mm-hmm. a bad a bad reputation in the UK because if you speak like this with a, an mm-hmm. RP then people mm-hmm. assume that you're very wealthy and and, and snobby posh well educated okay. and that you look down on the lower classes uh, mm-hmm. which is crazy now because that's not is it is what it is. I don't want to open that kind right. of worms, Right. but what's important, I think, if you're learning, if you want to learn British English or any variation of English, I don't think it mm. really matters. It has to be something you want to learn, like what you feel right. passionate about because mm-hmm. I can understand anyone speaking English, whatever variation it is. There might be right. a few little regional differences, dialect mm-hmm. that's different, mm-hmm. but generally it doesn't matter mm-hmm. which version you go for. But if you're going to move to an English-speaking country, I'd always say, perhaps it's interesting. It would be good for you to learn mm-hmm. or become familiar with that particular regional accent, mm-hmm. or at least the mm-hmm. dialect. Because, for example, mm-hmm. Scousers in Liverpool mm-hmm. in the north of England have a very different way of talking than, mm-hmm. than I do. And if you mm-hmm. learnt from me and never exposed yourself to a Scouse accent or any of their dialect, mm-hmm. you'd arrive there and not have a clue what anyone was saying. So I think um, it depends on your situation and also Mm -hmm. what you're passionate about.
0: Yeah. I mean, I agree. And I think that it's true to a large extent with any language. Uh, When I was learning Portuguese or Spanish, uh, I would listen to Portuguese from Europe, Portuguese from Brazil, because my goal is comprehension. Mm-hmm. But then if I'm, I find that when we're learning another language, we're very easily influenced, like our own, our accent in our own language is not going to change. I can live in the UK for 20 years. I'll still speak the way I speak now. But if I'm in France, if I'm in Southern France, if I'm Quebec, if I'm in Brazil, I find that the, these languages that I have learned, I'm easily influenced by the people around me so that okay. my accent will kind of, you know, adapt to the environment. But, but the key is, is pronunciation, I agree. Excuse mm-hmm. me, is comprehension. Uh, we've got to mm-hmm. be able to understand. So, I think people should listen to all kinds of different accents. Getting back to phrasal verbs, that always comes up. So, do you have a special technique for people or you just say, you know, just expose yourself to a lot of the language and you'll eventually get used to them?
1: Yeah, yeah. so I have, I actually have a, a challenge that I run a, um, a couple of mm-hmm. times a year and it's a 30-day challenge where I'll teach 300 phrasal verbs in 30 days. And, uh-huh. and the method is quite simple, it's uh, 30 days of immersing yourself, so you have to give at least 20 to 30 minutes, most of my students mm-hmm. who do it do about an hour a day, and it doesn't mm-hmm. matter if you miss a day, you, it's all the materials there you can catch up. Um, mm-hmm. But it's, it, 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 the method that I use is to just use the vocabulary at least four or five times, so every phrasal verb you'll be introduced to in different ways. You'll have to mm-hmm. write it, there'll be quizzes with it, there'll be um, mm-hmm. a number of monologues that you have to listen to, sketches, um, I'll, when I do my live lessons I'll use those, I'll use them in emails to my students across the 30 days, mm-hmm. and so they'll see each phrasal verb at least four or five times. Um, mm-hmm. And what I, find, what I find with the students who do that challenge is they suddenly become Like, they take the blinkers off and they see that language then in the wider world. And they would come back to me and say, I didn't realise, but I was just having, I was at this lecture and they used this phrasal verb and that phrasal verb. And I was Mm. reading this book a second time. And I realised this is the phrasal verb that means this. And now I get it. It means something different. Mm. And so Mm. it's just, it's just that repetition, but in a very natural way, not saying we are going to sit and learn this list. But Mm. here's an interesting story I'm going to tell you. And mm-hmm. here's some tasks was going to do. And by the end of it, you won't have realized, but you would have learned this many phrasal you, verbs.
0: You know, it's very interesting. And, uh, maybe we'll close on this. Like phrasal verbs is just part of usage,
1: mm-hmm.
0: uh, in English, part of the usage of the language, normal usage, we use a lot of phrasal verbs. Grammar is a form of usage. I find that, you know, maybe with your students, when they are, they do this phrasal verb challenge. Mm-hmm. In many cases, if they've had a lot of exposure to the language, have done a lot of listening and reading, they already have heard these phrasal verbs. And so on the, uh, you know, based on having that experience, you know, having heard these phrasal verbs but not really paid enough attention to them, if they then go and do these deliberate exercises, they're going to have a better chance at retaining them. Mm -hmm. If you try to introduce phrasal verbs from scratch to people who have not had any exposure to the language, I think it's very tough to remember them. Mm -hmm. And I think that's, that's kind of the way languages work. You need that combination of exposure, some deliberate learning, back to more exposure. And gradually things start to stick in yeah. your brain. Absolutely. Hopefully, hopefully, <laughs> anyway, sounds very interesting. I, I, I'm sure we could go on for quite a while here. I, I think my listeners, uh, those who are learning English should go off to learn like
1: English, no, like English, a native, like a,
0: nat- like a native, <laughs> English like a native with Anna and work on phrasal verbs or all of the other things. I looked at your channel. You have a lot of things on vocabulary, on different aspects of, of, of English pronunciation. I think it can be very helpful to them. Thank you. Thank you very much for talking with me and hopefully this is helpful to my viewers.
1: Thank you for having me.